Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome legal expert. She is a uh, family. We appreciate her joining us today. The one and only Angie Porter, professor. Thank y'all. Thanks hey. for having me again. Good to see you. I was watching you live tweet while I was on my own show, watching your Twitter feed, because I was like, I know Angie going to tell what's happening and she's going to break it down. A couple of things stood out before we get to this George Floyd uh, uh, Policing Act that has not been passed, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Uh, You said the 22.5 years, uh, he only will be spending 15 of those in actual jail. Why? That is if he doesn't successfully appeal the sentence and we'll have to see about that. But yes, in Minnesota, that is the way imprisonment works. You serve two thirds of your sentence and the final third on supervised release, which is what most people would probably think of as out on parole. So yeah, that is just how it is in all sentences. Now the 15 years, could that be less based on quote unquote good behavior or is they it don't mandatory? Have, no, they don't have good behavior. It it's mandatory. Okay. But, so he's at least gonna be in behind bars for 15 years. Yes. So and for that appreciable time he will be sitting in a prison cell now, again if he doesn't appeal successfully. I read several stories while he was awaiting trial. Uh they wouldn't let black guards guard him in jail. Yep. 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 Can they can they enforce that again? I mean, most of the security guards, as far as I know, are most of the people in jail. Most of the folk who are guarding the people in jail are black. Jail is a is a wild place. Um, I think they can do what they want to (laughs) short of being policed. And we all know it takes a lot to police the prison system, um, particularly prison guards. So, and that takes time. So they can, I'm gonna say they can do what they want. And the big takeaway from me from that decision was that they are conceding that this was a racialized issue. They know that this was about race. They know that Chauvin looks like a racist, a white supremacist, despite what his mother said today during the sentencing hearing. So they acknowledge it in prison land. They've been truthful. We need to follow their lead. It's like when you're on a plane, you look at the flight attendants to see, are we, are we safe? Uh, we need to look at the prison guards and say, oh, that's what it is. Because they don't care. They do what they want. Lamont, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I know you, I wanted to make sure your question gets asked. No, I, I thought Keith had said something last week that kind of went counter to that. But if if y'all say it wasn't sourced or cited correctly, then I'll disregard. Well, I think Keith Ellison does a great job of contextualizing things like in his statement today. But Keith Ellison is a politician. OK, remember. So I could see a universe where it is true that he said what, he, what you said he said. <laughs> now, I need to. Look at my sources because I honestly don't know what he said last week. I wasn't paying attention to what he was doing, but he's a politician. Hence why he's talking about what's going on at the federal level right now. Hence why this is a commercial for the Justice and Policing Act, George Floyd. Now you mentioned you mentioned the appeal process. What what are his chances? What do you think? Well, he's going to try to curry favor with white supremacists and white nationalists in the judiciary in the uh, appellate court. There's some of those there? 
<laughs> you know they hide in, in, in the spaces everywhere, uh, whether obvious or not, whether but, but, bold or clandestinely. <laughs> but Ju- Judge Cahill today threw out the, the bid uh, that his uh, defense had to have a new trial. He threw it out. He said there's no basis for it. That's so right. how, how much weight does that have? Well, I think that that does carry weight. I looked at that opinion that was issued. I don't know if he's going to issue a memorandum to explain further his rationale there, Karen, but the one that he filed yesterday was a very summary opinion. It was very bare bones. It was like bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, which when I look at that from a practitioner lens, I'm thinking they can easily appeal that. There's no rationale. So they can quibble with each of those points. Um, And I fully expect them to. That's just what defense attorneys do in a situation like this. So what are the odds of that? It's hard to predict. It was hard to predict what the Court of Appeals would do in terms of third degree murder here. So uh, we'll see. It, It sort of depends on the panel of judges that you pull at the Court of Appeals. We'll see. We'll just have to see. Is there any level of optimism to be drawn from this? Is there any hope? We were talking about the possible hope that this might be a deterrent. I don't believe that, but I want to try. Help me, Angie. Well, I'm right there. I'm sorry, but I'm like you. I don't know what you're looking for for me, but I'm like you. I think um, people are hoping to hope that this will be a deterrent. I think we know this country all too well just as our ancestors did. We know that people are gonna feel victimized. The policing community and their loyalists and and sympathizers are going to feel like they are being persecuted. They're gonna make that, they're under attack, exactly, Lamont. And so they're gonna make that part of their political strategy, whether that is to swing the pendulum back to the right in these next upcoming elections, whether that's to totally kill the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, we don't know, but we're gonna see the rhetoric from that side. And they're not just gonna sit back and say, we need to do better now. That's just not the climate that we're in right now. And we have a lot of the recent years to thank for that. Hmm. Um, So. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what, I will say that we can take moments of contentment. Mm -hmm. We just have to put them in the context. I think we can be content today because it is unprecedented. This is the first white officer in Minnesota who's been sentenced to a a penalty this long, um, who's been sentenced period. It represents on a national scale, a similar firstness. I can't really think of such a long sentence being imposed in a case like this. Um, But tomorrow the work continues. I think we can be content as to the family. I know they're about to do a press conference. We'll have to see how they feel. Um, They wanted him to be under the jail. Like like, um, Terrence, Terrence Floyd, the brother said, I thought he was so, so on point. He said, we have sat through as a community, as a culture, so many instances of slaps on the wrist. We want him to be put under the jail. Mm. This was not under the jail, but perhaps they are finding a little bit of comfort in the unprecedented 
gravity of the sentence. My hope is that they can begin to heal. But I will say, even in the most heinous murder cases, families have often reported that they, they just don't. They just don't heal, even when the death penalty is imposed. And so I just don't know how it's gonna be at that level. At a collective level, this certainly does not redress all that we have been through as a people and all that we continue to go through. But we can have that moment of contentment and saying, all right, this is one instance where something actually happened that should have happened and that's someone being held accountable. And Angie Porter is here. Um, your new position in DC is? Oh yeah, I'm a research fellow at Georgetown University Law Center. Okay. Um, Keith Ellison in his, in his speech talked about passing of these laws and there are many of them. Um, how do we, because again, everything for me is like action, action plan. What's the plan? What's the plan? HR 7120, how do we put pressure on our lawmakers to push that through? What are the other bills that he was referring to that we can put attention to? Because that needs to be the next, you know, like you said, okay, well, all right, he's going to be in jail for at least uh, 15 years. Um, Where else can we, where are the pain points that we can put pressure on to make sure, because this can't just be about George Floyd, as I said, this is an anomalous case and many people in law enforcement and many people who identify as white in America are looking at that as this is one egregious thing. This does not represent policing for black people. We know it absolutely does. Mm-hmm. That's our everyday reality. Now we aren't getting our knees, knees put on our necks every day, but what we saw, what we witnessed as horrific as it was seem more commonplace than the officer snappy that comes in to save your cat. That's more of our experience than somebody coming to the rescue. So how do we put pressure where, what are the other laws? um, And, and just give us a little, you know, uh, inspiration. Yeah. So paying attention to the political process is important. Of course, we have to also remember the role of the American state in our lives and that not all of the recourse will come from what this country is willing to do. Um, But totally agreed, where we can take action, we should. And so we should be in the face of our political representatives when it comes to the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Um, There are some movements to address the doctrine of qualified immunity for police officers that really comes into play in the civil end that's not going to that's not a criminal thing but it does address how civil cases settlements with families and settlements where cities have to change policies it addresses that so we do need to pay attention to that because that can be a powerful remedy We have to pay attention to all of our elections because they're all connected. Merrick Garland is responsible for these Department of Justice inquiries into these police departments. So why is Garland there? Because of the results of the election last year. So all of those things need to happen. And we also need to be pretty pretty critical of what's happening at at a municipal level in each of our cities, because a lot of these stops, these traffic stops, 
these stops of people just hanging out on the street doing nothing wrong are based on city ordinances. So you can easily go down post-pandemic time uh, or masked right now or vaccinated, please, to your, your city council and be on the record fighting against some of these laws that are in the books that are just inherently racist. So it's at all levels here. It really is. And find those community organizations or just find community among ourselves where you can take up the mantle in fighting some of these things. Thank you. Um, thank you for being here, coming in short notice. Please follow oh. her if you want to know all of the things, because she is one of the best live tweeters when these uh, cases. Oh. And ironically, you were with us when the verdict came in. And I'm glad that you're with us on the sentencing as well. I feel full circle. Uh, Angie, Angie Porter, Angie Marissa on the Twitters, research fellow at Georgetown University. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.